So we can just start in getting the flow. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is going to get started, maybe. Yeah, now it's working. <laughs> just wanted to make sure that I was able to... Yeah, I think it's only... Then I, then I tried to hit play, and instead it said, you have to stop recording in order to hit play. <laughs> I just <laughs> think it's funny that we both right now have iPhones that have pictures of tape decks <laughs> pretending to roll. It's the details on these apps. And you know what? Kids are... Today won't know what that is. No, I know. So it's funny that they even bothered to make it look like that. Like right. millennials won't understand. Or well, it'll be more under. interesting in a hundred years yeah. when they're still using that. Yes. And then people really won't know. Right. It'll be like a gramophone. Something tells me, yeah, they won't. They won't still have the cassette tape <laughs> image lasting in a hundred years. But I could be wrong. I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. I'm not a futurist. <laughs> so welcome to episode three. Episode three of um, our podcast. Laura Palmer is dead. A Twin Peaks podcast, and we're talking about episodes four and five of Twin Peaks. Episode four is Rest and Pain. It's a great name. Yes, episode and episode five, five is the, the one-armed one man. We also saw Hedwig and the Angry Inch today, Broadway in Chicago. It was amazing. Very Great good. Show. Really good. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Twin Peaks. <laughs> the funeral is the big thing that happens in episode four, Rest in Pain, and it's a lot of opportunities Ooh. for large emotional reactions from characters that already have been giving us large emotional reactions. So many nominees, at least two big nominees for mm. gnawing on the scenery award from the funeral, I think has to go to Bobby and uh, Leland. Leland. Leland, yeah. Oh, That's, man. That was a gift. I was like, he's <laughs> literally gnawing on the scenery. Like, Leland dives onto the coffin and is like sob chewing mm-hmm. on the wood. Yeah, he's like actually gnawing a little bit. Yeah. Bobby and has it, two scenes where he's doing a lot of gnawing right before the funeral when he's talking to his dad at his house. Yeah. And he screams, afraid! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn this upside <laughs> down. Well, uh, it's ironic because now turn it up is like, yeah, we're going to turn it right. up. <laughs> Bobby was an innovator. He was ahead of his time. I thought it was interesting that like his general father just sort of let that... St- outburst slide. He didn't yeah. say, like, tone it down a little, son. Or, well, or, I feel like the father has given up on Bobby. Yes. <laughs> like, There's a lot of done. giving up on the children in this <laughs> yeah. series. I mean, ask, actually, Major Briggs, he, he says, I understand you have an ongoing disinclination to participate in a meaningful exchange. <laughs> which is like, I love you. That scene, I love the Briggses. I'm discovering in this watch that the Briggses are perfect. In that scene, Bobby's like, you're going to lecture me about a cigarette today? <laughs> and I'm picturing the actor, like, practicing in the mirror and choosing which word he's going to emphasize there. Today? Today? Yeah, you know, like, I was really, at the start of episode four, I'm thinking, okay, I think I've decided I don't like this. Like, this is just a bad show. It's just overdone. And then the funeral scene comes along and bam! It's like, <laughs> it's like hitting the seven, you know, the three sevens on the slot machine. <laughs> We had a payday today on the coffin. Right, right. So he yeah. dives on top of the coffin. He's sobbing. He's yeah. like, oh, and we have to. Uh, the wife says, yes. 
Don't you ruin this too? <laughs> like, what are you it, talking about, Sarah? It's probably because Leland just dance cries everywhere. Dance <laughs> cries. That's dancing <clears throat> and sobbing, dancing and sobbing. Yeah. All he so does. Yeah, like, what events did he ruin in the past with his? Right. With his. He's just being weird. <laughs> and she wants to have the appearance of normalcy yes. and like she's into appearances, yeah. Sarah Palmer. She wants to at least seem like things are okay after yeah. her teenage daughter was brutally murdered and raped and yeah. I could I could definitely see family members of mine doing I know. That. Yeah, like everybody well, brutally murdering and raping? No, <laughs> no not too much that. But like Just after that happened, wanting... being like Let's talk about the casseroles and the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Like an appearance of everything's okay. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, that's how people cope. But it, it's, the funeral brings every char major character together in a really cool way. I like before the funeral too, I'm seeing more and more, maybe in this viewing especially, some of the parallels between the Horn family and the Palmer family. Which is like the Horn family. So the Horn family. family is Benjamin Horn, Audrey, Johnny. Audrey's family. Yeah, Audrey's family. I, I feel like the Horns are kind of a foil for the Palmers. Because you get the idea that the Palmers were sort of perfect or perfect seeming, like Laura was the prom queen, and the Horns have all these problems. And when they're getting ready for the funeral, they have like Jacoby there trying to calm down Johnny, <laughs> and Audrey's wearing her worst outfit of all slick time. back hair slick back Doing hair the Josie hair for some she looks reason. like a bond villain like <laughs> secretary yeah yes it's really bad it's like stereotypical hey it's 1990 i'm a secretary and a powerful woman so here's my button yeah. up top some weird brooch I'm yeah <laughs> big revelation this episode i think probably the biggest one so far johnny's hot <laughs> he has some great hair. <laughs> when you take that Indian headdress off of him, he's rocking for a little bit. He's really, actually, very hot. Of course, <laughs> he's got that like alternative, like grunge rock. Yeah, too. of course, like, he could be in Pearl Jam. The horns don't make ugly babies, and he's very good looking. And I have to say, he was one of Laura's. You know, he, Laura Charges. worked with him, so I wonder if she slept with him. I just assume that Laura slept with everyone she came <laughs> into contact Seems with. Seems that way. <laughs> My yeah. mind didn't go there, but no joke. I know, I know, yeah. I know. We don't know for sure, but well, that's, he, I guess, yeah. Well, when Doctor Jacoby and Johnny were together, it's like. I know, we both... We both love her. <laughs> we both love her, but you gotta take off this headdress. Yes! <laughs> I totally got that, too. Because we okay. love her, and that's what we need to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was yeah. a good little moment. And Audrey's always peering from her little hidey hole, which I'm always <laughs> like, there's no need. Like, if you walked into the room right now, no one would be like, Audrey, what are you doing here? You live here. Like, it's okay. Yeah. But she Is your just... autistic brother that interesting? <laughs> like, like, nobody, nobody's going to bother you about this, Audrey. Uh, I have to give a big acting shout-out to the actress <laughs> who plays Audrey in this episode because she does something that all 99.9% .9 of actors do wrong, which is when you light a cigarette, how you take a drag. Your first drag. Because you, you know if you guys have ever been cigarette smokers in this room besides me, am I right? Not cigarette right. smokers. Yeah. So <laughs> let, me let me educate the unenlightened. So when you, take, when you, light, when you first light your cigarette... You, the first puff you don't inhale because the first puff tastes bad. It's like uh, I don't know why it's, it needs that the, to be burning already. Yeah, it's just it, it always tastes bad. You can't get a good drag without coughing almost all the time on the first puff. 
So a real smoker will like take a little mouth puff and then blow that out without actually inhaling the first puff. Oh. Every time you see an actor light up a cigarette on stage and screen, they're always actually do the, the, the full drag. And I, I used to think that most actors smoked, so I was like, Maybe they're just doing that so that because the anyway. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. the audience is not in smokers. Yeah, they, they, don't they know. would think it was weird, but yeah. Audrey takes does like a real. She that actress was clearly a smoker because she does a real like initial puff blow. Yeah. Oh, wow. When she lights the cigarette. So. Are you warming oh. up on Audrey a little bit? <laughs> I'm that I I was in love when she did yeah. that. Yeah, well, this, this is a good Audrey. The the episode "Rest in Pain" starts with Audrey wearing olive oil Popeye costume, waiting for Cooper to come around the corner. And man, oh man, the chemistry is off the fucking charts with those two. He's uh, like flirting. totally hardcore flirting. But can I ask the age difference? Yeah, and I don't think he. It's questionable when Cooper finds out that Audrey is a high school student. <laughs> and I've tried to figure out yeah. when that actually happens, because there's a shift in the way that Cooper treats her, and it, 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 she doesn't officially say... I think one she yet. says she's 18, but yeah. I don't think she says, and I go to high school. Like, so we don't know if he knows that she's like a bebe. But see, she's not yet. Yeah, she's definitely flirting with Cooper. I'm not sure Cooper's actually flirting back. I think he's just oh being bubbly, bubbly Cooper. No but, way. His okay. eyes right. are like. I'm, I'm going to yeah, I kind of was doing homework while I watched the first episode. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh my God. Well, if anyone looked at me like that, I would be like, whoa. <laughs> and then why would you bring up how your handwriting just. Makes you yearn for something. Yes, that rightward yep. slant in your handwriting indicates a romantic nature. Mm -hmm. So we find out that Audrey is the writer of the little note that says Jack with the one eye, the ingenious <laughs> hidden that clue. Puzzling clue. <laughs> yes. What could this mean? And we discover her motives for doing this. She tells Donna in a later scene where the two of them are in the bathroom putting on their lipstick for a very long time and her, Audrey, smoking. Um, that she's she's going to solve Laura's murder so that Cooper realizes she's the woman of his dreams and takes her away <laughs> to a life yeah. of mystery. Which I also thought kind of paralleled Laura, because they do say, like, Laura, you know, the priest in his eulogy is saying, like, Laura longed to, for her life to start, and she was impatient for her life to begin. And Audrey's right. kind of like that, too. Like, Audrey wants to run away to the city with the FBI agent, and she's impatient for her life to begin. So even though Audrey and Laura she, presumably were kind of rivals, I think yeah, they she, have a lot, of, lot in does, common. She does say that I, we under or I understood her more. Right, than most. she probably yeah. knew Laura Something was like doing that. coke and like yeah, being yeah. fake. Everybody else thought Laura was this like perfect sweet she, angel. She didn't know what she suspected because in the episode, the ne in the next episode, when, oh, in their right. bathroom, she's she's uh, like Laura had a taste for nose candy. And Audrey's <laughs> like that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and apparently, in Twin Peaks, solving a murder just <laughs> brings everyone together, right? Because not only does Audrey want to solve it so that her and Cooper fall in love, but then in the episode five. Uh, Donna and oh, James. John James, James. <laughs> say that they need to solve the murder because they love each other. Yes. <laughs> and because they 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 have to do it, not the cop, because the police didn't love Laura. We love Laura because, you know, you have to love the victim of a crime to solve it. That's yes. the thing that they own yeah. Twin Peaks. They say, nobody loved her but us. <laughs> and 
That, I also want to say, that's not true. No, everybody, everybody loved her. Yeah. Everybody was at this funeral. Her dad is cry-dancing all over <laughs> town. Hey, you, were you there? <laughs> everybody loves her to an obsessive degree, including, mm-hmm. Pat, you were talking about the priest. Yeah, yeah, even the priest had a weird comment, like she told him, you talk too much. Right? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which like, is his job, right. uh, first of all. Not in confession, though. Yeah. yeah. So she she's even found time in this busy schedule to, to go, go to, to church. church. Yeah. Yeah, and he does say that um, you know we loved her in that special way. We reserve for the something in the bold. It was a good he he yeah, gave a like good the headstrong in the bold. Yes, there you, go. Ah, there you go. Yeah. So everybody loves Laura. Everybody knows Laura. Um, I want to talk about one of my favorite scenes, maybe in the series in general, is that scene at the morgue with Albert, the Ooh, who, yes. Albert yes. from the FBI, and um, oh. Sheriff Truman and the Doc Hayward. Benjamin Horn somehow is the Palmer family representative. Yes. For no reason. But it's just such a fantastic, like, quick paced scene. Albert's jokes are just one after another. Yeah. Let's see uh, who could name off some of the insults. Uh, Oh. oh, well, there's, there's like good ones. He calls. I wrote some. There's some good ones. He calls Harry Sh- uh, Truman a hunking boob. Oh, <laughs> this is Pat's burn list. Yeah, burn, burn list. <laughs> then he goes on to burns. <laughs> I love this. He goes on to call the town morons and halfwits. Yep. Then dults, dullards, and dumbbells. There were more, too. He's so fast. But that was he a goes, few. My favorite is he's that like... That was Pat's burn list. <laughs> <laughs> Pat loved it. Uh, yeah. He's so Rosenfeld's great. burns are incredible. Legendary. He goes, I've got a lot of cutting and pasting to do, so why don't you return to your porch rockers and resume whittling? Yeah, yes. like, oh. that was the line where... Another great... Okay, he earned that punch. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> you so could, great. You could sympathize with him in that scene if it hadn't been for that line. Yeah. Because he's just trying to do his job. Because why don't they want to find out what happened right. to her? That's what angers Because these me. are simple folk, yeah. and the, the integrity of the body means something to their primitive minds. <laughs> <laughs> and Albert, he was like, sound like, a regular... with like the phone song, yeah. he does like a little <laughs> Yeah, cutting and, he, and pasting. That's, almost that's, drills yeah. into her brain at the end. Like right then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's a fantastic scene. I, I think Albert brings a great energy right. to the show in general, because really he's Albert. kind of like our other viewpoint into Twin Peaks. Like, yeah, good point. Cooper's are one viewpoint if you're a glass half full person who sees them as this charming town, but Albert's our other view of like their backwards and their, you know, hayseeds. And so it's nice to have Albert there. I always think, you know, him and Harry have a great chemistry and they're kind of little rivalry. And then when he lands on top of Laura, he goes, how appropriate. Like, <laughs> which is just, like, terrible. Thank God they didn't use a real teenager in that role, or it'd really be terrible. But... Now, what does it even, that doesn't even make sense. How appropriate. Like, them always like lying on top of dead no, teenagers. No, because Laura was such a slut, I think, is the, uh, okay. is the, is the sort of... Okay. Yeah, like, because everyone's with Laura, so... I didn't catch yeah. that. Oh. I was like, of course this is how it ends. Laying on this dead body. <laughs> like, which is totally probably not in the rule book. Like, right. copy all over this body. Oh, and Albert's Albert's a rule book follower, I think. Like, he's very, you know, structured and organized, and he doesn't want to, you know, disappear from the rules. But, of course, <laughs> Cooper sides with... Uh, Truman, Truman in this oh, yeah. confrontation, as is yes. his won't as Truman's secret lover. 
Um, <laughs> they absolutely, it's out of control. They do love it. Tri- uh, Albert wants to file show. charges, and Cooper says, like, you can do that over my, basically he's like, you yeah, can, I will sign a statement over my dead body. Sounds yeah. like you've been snacking on some of the local mushrooms. Right. <laughs> Cooper. Pets burn this. Yeah, Cooper gives this beautiful speech about Twin Peaks to Albert about why he doesn't want to go against Terry. And, and this speech is a nice way for Lynch to tell us, like, how he feels about the show, really. Because Cooper says, like, murder's not a faceless event here. Life has meaning. Every life has meaning. And it's a way that I yeah. thought to... He gives this beautiful, sweet, totally guileless speech. And then Albert just responds... Sounds like you've been snacking on the local mushrooms, which is just perfect. Some lines up there on par with spirit still far from body. Oh my god. Hawk has another scene has where another he's like being extremely yeah. ridiculous. That was the end of this episode, he has it. Yeah. yeah I'm just going to jump back and forth between the two episodes because my... I, I think it's okay. Yeah. Yes. I think it's That's okay. Fine, yeah. Well, because Hawk is also the best tracker... Of course. I wonder why. Yeah. Because he's Indian and one with nature? <laughs> Probably. And who does he track? But the one-armed man. The one-armed man. He tracks him down. Much like Harrison Ford. Yes. <laughs> the one-armed man, uh, they, they do catch up to in the Timber Motel. And as I was telling the gang, we know one of my favorite, favorite things is love scenes between Ben and Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so sexy. And, you know, not repulsive at all, <laughs> and not overacted, and totally, totally a meaningful use of time. Giving us a lot of useful information about <laughs> yeah. this, the mill plot. Those two are just exposition <laughs> machines. That's all they do is just churn out exposition, po- post-coital, <laughs> about the mill, right. which is like such a B-plot. We don't <laughs> care about the mill. To, talking about their plan... Just to burn it away. down, I guess. Yeah. Burn it down. Insurance fraud. I think yeah. yeah. Game. And we're like, we don't care. We just care about Laura and maybe Audrey and Cooper <laughs> making babies. You know who else I care about? Dr. Lawrence Jacoby, <laughs> who has yes. a great scene in, uh, I think it's the end of episode four. Uh, or might have been beginning of five. Been, he's at the funeral. Well, I, or he's at the the grave site, right? No, it's no? In, they're interviewing him. And, oh yeah, it's the beginning yeah. of five. Yeah, yeah, and I well, I just wanted to point uh, out he drops the word Howleys, which uh, is how Hawaiians refer to mainlanders. Um, oh. it, which I have I have family that lived on Hawaii, so that's that's authentic people. They actually good. Okay. That's all I got. I'm all right <laughs> about that. Uh, Jacoby, I feel like, is in a contest with himself to have better and better outfits every scene that we see him in. And in episode four, Incredible. when he's mysteriously putting flowers at the gravesite, he's wearing probably, arguably, one of the best outfits in all of television history, which is like he's got a cape that ties with a rope. 
and, and like a scarf that oh, has yeah. piano keys there's on like it. There's Phantom of the Opera stuff. There's like layers. layers. Oh my god. There's also like that layer of the and white turtleneck. Yes. White turtleneck. Because that's what you wear and under that is a white turtleneck. <laughs> and it's like weird hunting hat. Because yes. It's not like a fancy hat. It's With like... a hat brooch, which I didn't know was a thing, but now I'm like, why don't? Why doesn't every hat have a? Brooch? Why don't more gentlemen wear hat? <laughs> yes. Inappropriate. What? Yeah. What kind of hat was it again? It was a fedora, like, right? It was um, not like a fedora. It was more like. Oh, I'm going out. It's like a steampunk hat, almost. Okay, in my memory. yeah, yeah. Hat identification. <laughs> Pause the podcast now and go find out what the hat looks like. Well, wait. Yeah, um, he looks beautiful. Can we talk a little bit about sexy gunplay? Because oh yes, there was some sexy, sexy gunplay. In oh yes, oh but yes. Can we, can we backtrack? So, Shelly, 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 she has a, a gun. And then a golden pearl. She's a she's gun. petite and adorable, and her gun is petite and adorable. But then why do you hide it with your bloody shirt? I feel like you should hide it someplace different than <laughs> Leo's bloody shirt. Don't hide she's your, Don't the, keep your gun with your crap. She's not the sharpest. You how many times uh, I've made that mistake, and you know, every time been, it bites me in the ass. You have nowhere to put your gun but with your bloody shirt. <laughs> Not again! <laughs> now with Chipotle way. <laughs> she's not quite the brightest. Uh, no, but she sure is so, cute, and uh, she's very funny. And Bobby <laughs> lays out the plan, or he hints. I'm surprised she doesn't ask more questions. I guess she just wants Leo gone. Yeah, because Bobby's Which, like, understandable. Yeah, understandable. And an abuser. But so Bobby's like, don't don't say anything. You never saw the shirt. Say it. I never saw the shirt. I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> she's so cute. I think she's so cute. So there, Bobby's planning some bad deeds on Leo, is what we know. There's from a lot me. of scheming. And then she rubs the gun on her cleavage, and then <laughs> Which, I. Which not a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not good experienced point. with guns, but I feel like you shouldn't just rub it on your body. It was like a sternum like... drag. There's, yeah. there's one law that goes with sex and gunplay, and it's always keep it pointed downrange. <laughs> Yeah. She broke that law in this episode. <laughs> Can we talk about the Bookhouse Boys? Because oh, those guys God. are nuts. So the Bookhouse Boys are not Cooper... a book club. No, <laughs> no, not weeks. a book club at all. Which you know, surprising, and not to be confused with the Hardy Boys. <laughs> they, though... they they share a lot of similarities, though. They, <laughs> they not... sure do, mostly in lameness. <laughs> well. You, you... You said that they both go on adventures that are, like, larger and grander in their own minds than they are right. in real life. Like, we're going to find Mrs. Skinner's cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just... one, one thing I find weird about the Bookhouse Boys is that they're kind of just allowing James to, like, kidnap this one get Bernard right. Renault. And then, Thank you. With the but, torture wall. But yet they, they yep. yell at James for, like, meddling in this case. I know. There's some really so dumb like, stuff going on. Why are you letting him kind of... Yeah, so oh. the Bookhouse Boys are, um, as Sheriff Truman explains to <laughs> Cooper, there's something going on in Twin Peaks in there's these woods. In the woods. There's a power That's there. Energy. And the Bookhouse Boys are in place. It's a secret society <laughs> to protect Twin Peaks. And it includes, you know, prominent local members, including Big Ed... Sheriff Truman, James, basically the male cast members of the show. (laughs) (laughs) The male good cast members. So, like, not Bobby and Mike and. It's like the underground band, but. And they have a dank little bar that they. How does a secret club, like, a secret society have, like, a bar with, like, neon lights and everything? With, with, like, 
three or four taps I was noticing. Yeah. I'm like, what do they have on draft there? Well, it, there was an alcove that had a bunch of bookshelves. And so that's where, why wouldn't, you wouldn't go to right. the bookshelf alcove <laughs> in a bar. So that's right. where the bookhouse boys are. Interestingly, the books. <laughs> all of our dumber characters are in the bookhouse boys, so they're not reading these books that are clearly at their disposal. Yeah. But I have to admit, as watching this for the first time, the paranormal thing kind of makes sense because everyone seems a little hopped up on something. Yeah. So now I know it's this weird paranormal force. Right. It's not falls. the Northwest <laughs> meth problem. It's no. the thing in the woods. You know, it's, it is funny. <laughs> so last year and the year before, Pat and I had a couple trips to the Pacific Northwest for work and pleasure. And I'm a migraine sufferer like for many, many years. And I get them like every week. And in Seattle and Portland, I never got migraines. So there is something like in the, the air. The There's like oxygen permeating. Because it can yeah. also explain why every time you see Bobby's face in a new scene, he has this look on it like, Argh. yeah, um, he's got a lot of rage. I, you know, I'm thinking about it now. Like the the, the, the we learned a lot about uh, Sheriff um, Truman Truman in these episodes because. First, he, uh, keep in mind, this is the face of law and order in Twin Peaks. Yeah, he's lackadaisical. He punches a guy (laughs) in the face just for being rude uh, in episode four. He did have it coming. But, and then (laughs) he walks into his secret club where his buddies, his drinking buddies, have a guy bound and gagged to a chair. With a torture wall behind them that has rusty instruments of torture that I feel like they've never used, but they just have it there to look bad, which that is pretty bad. Didn't even notice that. And also the fact that Cooper goes along with this without question. But in all fairness, Cooper brings up his Tibetan system of stuff and like his dreams, and they're just like, oh, you had a dream. Okay, yes. we'll yeah, go with we'll this. bring him in. The lead. They've never seen slick back hair before. They're like, this man is our new god. <laughs> Not on a man, but on a woman, like Audrey. Well, right? yeah. She's walking around town like she's, she's being it's not serious. not the same. Yeah, yeah. It's, so the Bookhouse Boys, um, very interesting group. And clearly their recruitment methodology leaves something to be desired <laughs> if James is, like, a beloved member. James and his oh, blonde hair. I just hate his politics. face so much. So much. Thank you, Melissa. I hate him, too. Every I time really you, hate him. It just mm. makes me cringe. Every time he's just like, what? Don't worry, James lovers. I'm still here for I know, you. I know, I know. I still think James is my favorite character. And see, and Tom doesn't like Audrey, and I'm like, I will fight for Audrey to the death. Like, <laughs> I love her so much. So, speaking of something in the air, I do want to talk about the scene with Nadine and Ed, because we we don't necessarily get answers on this, but what is Nadine what is like, she talking smoking, about? taking, what is <laughs> happening with her? She doesn't remember she's, who James is. She's got a screw loose, that's for sure. Yeah. It's um, endorphins from all of her working out and her strongness. She's yes. all uh, over the place bipolar. Super strength. Yeah. It, uh, and then what did, what did she mean when she said, Ed, you came back to me last night? Was that like so, when he was in, yeah. when he was concussed and he came back to I her? I think he like, so he doesn't I think remember. he, yeah, I think he was concussed and like <laughs> had sex with her a bunch of times in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, I think that's what we're supposed to imagine. Yeah. Because his eyes were dead in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, his neck was like pulled away. Unfortunately, I know that look all too well from... <laughs> 
times what? when I've... What? <laughs> no, as not sitting on the, around confessions. the table. Kelly's confessions. In high school, I tended to be, shall we say, kind of a gateway drug into homosexuality. Oh, right. Not yeah. that I'm making comparisons between homosexuality men, and drugs, right? but for men... They were closeted homosexuals. They would think, you know, I'll give it one more go, and that one more go will be Kelly Klein. And so I was, you know, a musical theater kid and had a lot of gay boyfriends. So I know what that look of someone trying to pull away from you as you're trying to kiss them looks like. I like this podcast is also our therapy. I don't want anyone to ever know that. And to my, you know, to maybe some ex-boyfriends of mine who now have boyfriends of their own. (laughs) I've got nothing but love for you and happy to be that transition for you. Into in the <laughs> yeah, into the world of men. So I hope, you're, I hope you're enjoying it. Hope it's going well for you. But yeah, I know what that look that straining to get away look looks like. See, I don't even remember that scene. I was <sighs> looking up something up for my paper. No, it was. So then you missed oh, the porcelain doll with a drawn-on eye patch. Wait, yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally missed that. It was but, like right before the funeral, the and like. Crazy eye patch lady is like hugging Ed. Yeah. And Ed's just like, get off me, but it's not <laughs> yeah. and then James comes in, looks dumb, and she's like, Who's that? Like to the background, Nadine, but he's supposed to be your nephew. <laughs> yes. She doesn't so, know she'll she that's multiple some... multiple scenes where she has forgotten. She James. forgets James. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he does have that face. Okay, yeah. speaking of little dolls, I just I have this vague memory and I made myself a note. That just says, give little Elvis a bath. <laughs> yes! Okay, so give little Elvis a bath is in the Timberlands Motel. Catherine and Ben have just made sweet, sweet love. And Ben, oh, hearing the police... <laughs> That's not his little Elvis that he's talking about. No, because no, he had a physical he doll. A, so, and I, I'll never know what he means by it. Does he mean, like... Because he literally just picks up the little doll and says... He's a little doll of Elvis. So there was never... Like, you never saw that doll before that moment. No. No. So little Elvis was in... Nadine. It is... (laughs) (laughs) That's why... I mean, He was in Catherine Martell. Or, yeah, whichever whichever lady was in that... Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. That's why he has to give it a bath. Oh. That's what that means on TV, guys. Sorry. Oh, my God. Tom, I've never thought that was ever what he meant. So, and then his one-eyed yeah. jack so gross. Out. So does that mean that he's putting little Elvis in other, like, prostitutes as well? Well, well we know that they made Laura swallow oh. one. They, they're doing all kinds of things. Yeah. Oh. Unacceptable. <laughs> Somehow that's so. the thing that's the grossest thing that's happened. Laura's been bound and raped and, like, eaten poker chips and been... <laughs> Like beaked by a bird or pecked <laughs> by a bird multiple times. One of my fetishes will not stand for. <laughs> but <laughs> fetishism, by the way, little known fact, actually means like being attracted sexually to a physical any physical object. That's the definition of fetishism. Ooh. So if oh. I want a little Elvis involved in my that that's technically yeah the fetish, definition then, of yeah. a fetish. Not yeah. like I like my men to wear leather or whatever. Right, that's right. Like, not, that's just king. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know we're a kink positive podcast. The difference no between kink, shaming. Kink no kink positive. shaming. <laughs> kink positive. I, I wrote so I wrote <laughs> something else. I wrote down the creepiest veterinary hospital slogan ever when they they do that scene in the veterinarian's office, 
Aid to the Beast Incarnate, it says. <gasps> I've wow. never captured that. It's That's like, amazing. Under like oh. a, if I remember correctly, like a scary painting of like a wolf. Oh my it's god. Like, That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like In that. our spoilers podcast, that yeah. is a aid to that is a thing. Oh, see. Okay, I'm shutting up. <laughs> That's good. Wow. Can't talk about it before you do the podcast. I know. That's really good. We did. I so some practical stuff to share. I have Albert's results. Albert's so the results, results of Albert's. Um, autopsy, if he had had more time, as he mentions several times, he would have done a better job, but newsflash, little lady had a coke problem, we knew that, she was tied up, yeah, he says she had a, like, newsflash, she had a habit, which I don't think you can tell just from, like, blood tests, like, how much coke they've been doing, it was, like, her new, that's something, that's a good point, you could have looked at her stepdom, they could tell how much coke, she, like, had coke all over her face, (laughs) coke in her, I mean, she was not hiding, I guess when you die on coke, they they (laughs) sort of, like, make the leap, (laughs) they could tell the level, right, in your blood, Right. Yeah, but okay. I, I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know if you could be able to tell scientifically. Oh, if you had like, a habit. A habit. Ah, I see. Okay. Oh, yeah, that, like, that's a bitch. Yeah. yeah, that makes yeah. sense. We it could have been a one yeah. night. But Melissa brought up a symptom that's a possibility. Yeah, probably something physical. Yeah. <laughs> we find out she was tied up two times, different locations, on the night of the death. And we also find out that the killer washed his hands and leaned in for a kiss. There were claw marks and bites. You know he leaned romantically. Yeah. <laughs> Albert illustrates. Yeah. I conclude. It's good to, to mime things out in a podcast where people can Yeah, we do a lot you. of it. Yeah. Um, there are claw marks and bite marks, which leads them to going to this veterinary clinic of Bob Lydekers, Yeah. who is the best friend of the one-armed man. Well, let's go back... Um, Patrick to Joe. the one arm man meeting. Yeah, good, yeah. good because uh, actually, so actually good. more for uh, Andy dropping his gun. <laughs> yes. Oh, Andy. <laughs> that was Andy. Sets up. He's quite, so sweet. He broke the gun rule too. Yeah, like, nobody is good with firearm safety oh. in this town. And we learn, uh, like, and apparently, you can as just we get them anywhere. <laughs> yeah, much like hand them out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a sci-fi weirdness. <laughs> oh wait, no. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, and we find out. You know, which I think, and Lynch does such a great job of using little vignettes of things that happen to just set up the way things have been in Twin Peaks. And so we find out in this little moment that the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department, none of them have ever had to fire their guns in the line of duty. Like, Andy has never fired a gun. He doesn't know what he's doing. Except all the times he drops it. But apparently, apparently Hawk and... And Harry are good shots. Or at shots, least they're good, sh- yeah, they're yeah. good shots, or they practice and they Andy practice. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> we, see, we see Truman uh, give a, do some practice with Cooper, and yeah. Truman gets them all in the, in the kill zone, Although, but Cooper has one through each eye and one through each, or sorry, two through each eye yeah. and one through each nostril. Yeah. Because he's a badass one. Yeah. Cooper is. Pinpoint accuracy from Cooper. Yes. We also get some haunted <laughs> by his past music and monologuing from Cooper, in that scene where he talks about, Harry asks him, you know, if he was ever married. He says, basically, no, but I've had my heart broken, and I'm going to leave it in this oh, yeah. trailing off kind of way where we won't know totally what happens, but I'm firing a gun angrily, <laughs> even remembering it. So Cooper has a past, is the... Speaking of the music cues, like, how many more times are we going to hear that? Da, da, 
Captain America. I'm off key, but you know what I'm doing. Throughout so. the whole yep. Yeah, like it's a cool little <laughs> little sting, but man, they there's, use it a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's like four main themes in Twin Peaks, and there's one that whenever I hear it, I know it's going to be a bad episode. We haven't run into it yet. It's the Boppy uh, the high, school high School music. Yeah. yeah. But the, I will lower my expectations when I hear that. Yeah, there's the Audrey yes. dance music. There's um, the dreamy oh, yeah. music. I do, yeah, like the, yeah, the dreamy guitar. Yeah. Kind of like using, I think, Angelo Baldelamente, yeah. who is the composer <laughs> of Twin Peaks. Oh, and oh. Uh, David Lynch makes an appearance. Vocally. Vocally, Vocally. as Gordon Cole, Cooper's boss who's calling in to follow up and to talk about Albert filing a complaint about Harry Harry Truman. So we do hear the lovely dulcet tones of David Lynch, which is very nice. And you would never know this, regular listeners, if you were not watching this show with obsessed people like (laughs) Kelly and Pat. (laughs) But that's what makes this so much cooler, because this is where you're learning David Lynch owes a guy a truck. Right. And he's also the voice of Cooper's Ooh, supervisor. I have yes. some fun obsessive fan um, gossip to share. So, um, since this is one of the episodes where we do see some Cooper-Audrey chemistry, so Kyle MacLachlan was dating Lara Flynn Boyle during the filming of Twin Peaks, and Lara Flynn Boyle apparently was extremely jealous and uncomfortable with any sort of love interest scenes with Sherilyn Fenn who plays Audrey so there was a lot of conflict there because Sherilyn Fenn being such a fetching woman she did not Lara Flynn Boyle didn't like them having scenes together didn't want that to like didn't want that plot to progress that way not not a fan of the ship to not oh, want Audrey them and Cooper. getting it on. No. She, she pulled a Kirk Cameron is what you're saying. <laughs> she was not yes. pleased. Which is interesting because I would say that in the bathroom scene with Donna and Audrey, I think they have a lot of chemistry. Like, I think there's a really great energy mm. between the two of them where you see Donna seems to really start be starting to like Audrey. Like, yes. they're starting to get along a little bit better. Teaming up. Yeah, they're teaming detective up. Detective work. They're like, let's be Nancy Drew to the Bookhouse Boys, boys Hardy Boys. Yeah. You know? Very good, very good, yeah. They're, they're a cute little duo. I found it interesting that uh, Laura, what, Donna? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Donna didn't mention to James that she had hashed up this little plan with Audrey. I know. I think that she would have brought that, that up. That is a little weird. Maybe because she really is feeling a little something for Audrey and she wants to keep it. Her or Johnny's too stupid to understand what's going on. Right. James. James. God damn. James, though, I, I mean, is mentally me. just one step above Johnny in my book. Yeah, really. James. Johnny? Is pre- Johnny's Audrey's brother who, like, genuinely oh, has yes, a disability. Yes. Yes. Whereas James <laughs> is just a douchebag. Just bag. the actor of our generation. Greatest <laughs> <laughs> actor of all Time. Yeah, Pearls it's before swine. <laughs> one of my favorite moments actually happened. So the funeral, of course, is like very dramatic, and there's a lot of gnawing on the scenery. I think. So should we vote Bobby or Leland? What do we think? I mean, it's very. I mean, my close. vote is Bobby in this one, just because he has more. He has more. He ha- yeah, it's like lines. It, Leland yeah, has Leland's the more like concentrated, yeah. but Bobby has the more frequent moments yeah. of it. Like, Bobby, you feel weirder watching, so I'm going to give yeah. him my vote. Like, living <laughs> on the coffin feels, like, legit. Yeah. It feels right. Bobby's just, like, in his own little play within the show. <laughs> little one-man yeah. play. This is, 
Yeah. I'm going to say, the, like, for Leland, there are many more opportunities. So let's give <laughs> it to Bobby this week. All right, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, you did Congratulations. good. Congratulations. I mean, he's Bobby's been close several episodes, so I feel like he it's his turn. It's, it's you know he he looks beautiful on stage too. He does he like beautiful. valid points about how the whole town killed her because no yeah. one helped. Except That's they all true. worshipped her like daily. <laughs> yeah, but they worshipped. They women. enabled her. They enabled drug her abuse yeah. and sex yeah. abuse. I, I, well, they, it seems no, like I don't, I don't think they would know. But anyway, yeah, I'm not talking about right after the coffin scene when they go. You go to the diner and uh, Shelly. Shelly's <laughs> making. She's fun like, of it. yeah. She's like, so he so jumps, he's like freaking out. He jumps out of the coffin and he's like going up and down. Like he's got two old guys like Statler and Waldorf are just dying of laughter. <laughs> they think it's the funniest thing. And the, they are very lynchy. Yeah, as, Tom. Say, I'm so like, glad. You called that moment. Yeah, because yeah, Lynch loves old people and old people laughing. <laughs> very yeah. very weirdly though, like something's off. <laughs> he uses this in I think That's, a few of his movies. Yeah, in Mulholland yeah. Drive. He has yeah. that scene where Naomi Watts is in the car with her with the, the old couple and they just are being weird. Yep. You know? I, I love how Lynch takes the ordinary and makes it creepy, and let's face it, and you know, for our geriatric listeners, I'm sorry, but old people can creep people out a little bit sometimes <laughs> because you have this fear of turning into this yourself. And, like, whenever you can juxtapose, throw in a couple old people being a little bit creepy, it kind of works. And yeah, see, I just realized I'm like a lynch guy because, like, I love old people. I love like, them too. Yeah. Young people free, like especially like babies, like <laughs> give them away. <laughs> like, right, babies are equally. I don't know anyone under twenty five. Like I don't want to talk to you. Go away. <laughs> yeah, Shelly making great. fun of the funeral is a really interesting scene. It shows to me like that not everyone in the town cares as much about this as the people that we've been spending our time with. You know, so there are people in Twin Peaks who this is just kind of a like, oh, did you hear about that girl? And it's not like their life's, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, stuff. That's true. But that being said, Pat, you pointed true. out because I like to but always then, mention that. But then Shelly, then Shelly is right next to the priest <laughs> at the, in funeral. the funeral. Yeah. And then on the other side is the log lady. <laughs> the log lady. Right. Yeah. Everyone's. They're yeah. like the two closest. Yeah. So it's a weird scene because it pans. I think it it sort of bridges the gap between having some distance from this event and being very close to it because you see Shelly making fun of it. And it pans over to then Cooper and Harry, like, talking very seriously about this. There's also a really good moment I don't think we talked about just in the morgue where um, Cooper, after Albert's fallen on top of Laura, her arm falls out of her, of the blanket or whatever. And and Cooper, like, takes her hand and holds it and puts it back up on her chest it's a very tender moment, and it's the first time Cooper's ever touched Laura in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me that, like, those two characters are so important, and that's probably one of their few interactions. And that's it's right. just an interesting, yeah. the care that he takes with her, and she's not just a body to him, you know. Very it's true. It's like he has a lot of... A lot of his life is devoted to Laura, yeah. and she's she, and she's, well, she's dead. Yeah. While yeah. we're on this morbid subject, I know, <laughs> well, I, I know that like he says, like uh, take Laura Palmer's body. 
which I just think is an inter like yeah. it's interesting. And I, I guess when you think about it, that's how you might do it if you were a coroner or something. Right. It's like you take this person's body. It's like it's not them anymore, but it's their body. Right. It's just an interesting turn yeah. of phrase. I mean, I worked at a newspaper that shall remain nameless and worked with um, people who were taking calls for obituaries. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talked about, I'm a, I'm a corporate trainer, and one of the things that I trained them about was like, you have to, you can't, you have to find out. So the first rule of obituaries is <laughs> no live bodies in the obituaries. Melissa, you're in the newspaper business, <laughs> you know this. Um, so you have to ask for, ads. you have to like ask for the funeral home in the final resting place, but you want to do it in a way that doesn't sound like, like, Hey, uh, we need to confirm that this person's actually dead. Like, and that this isn't uh, a prank. Like, okay. so we would say to the agents, they have to say like, where's the final resting place of your loved one? As opposed to like, what graveyard is the body in, you know, <laughs> and but it's, just, it's, it. <laughs> it's a fine line yeah. between those, you know, between a body and a graveyard and your loved one's final yeah. resting place. I'm guessing obituary... Okay, so you probably know this. Is it free to place an obituary? No, it's oh. extremely expensive. Oh, okay. And it gets more expensive by the word. Well, that makes if sense. If you want to add a picture. Yeah. So it's a business. Capitalism. You know? Man. <laughs> yeah. You just need to get rid of the, the health insurance companies. will be fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's a weird business. We had that to, like... Tom's rant. Tom's rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it, it is... It's funny how you'd think... Uh, clearly, Albert is viewing Laura as a body, but Cooper is viewing her as Laura Palmer, and yes. I think that that's a good, you know, moment for that. So, some Lynchian weirdness um, I've noticed is that and things that should be in twos are not, but things that aren't often in twos are. Like, so we saw that we saw last time we or we talked about the uh, double stacks of donuts, which is yeah. Old, have you ever seen that in real life? Listen, thanks for who, making donuts. Who makes, delicious. who makes piles of two donuts each? Okay, so that's things that shouldn't be in two together. Yes, yeah. Then we have um, the opposite, uh, things that should be in... Oh, and also uh, the the two, the double three domino, which that that's a real <laughs> yes. domino, but like, you know, you wouldn't always see the two uh, numbers together. Okay, but things that should have two but are only one, you got one-eyed Jack, you got the one-armed man, you got Norma with the one-eye... Mm -hmm. Uh, and you've got the fact that every couple in this show, like, is constantly splintering off. And, Whoa. Yeah. The and this stupid necklace, too. I just too. got, like, a little bit of chill. And the necklace. <laughs> the necklace yeah. they break into. That's a really good point. <laughs> it is weird. Pat and I played this game once where we tried to write all the different combinations of couples in Twin Peaks. And it's, like, 25, 26. <laughs> I mean, it, it's incredible. We, we only found one couple that seem faithful to be faithful to each other the whole series Man, when, so i don't know if we want to yeah we don't want to it's a minor couple yet, too it's like uh, not a important yeah. it's not too important well, i'd characters. say one of the characters is pretty yeah pretty, pretty <laughs> that great. one time leo came back with chlamydia <laughs> the whole town had it in a week <laughs> i mean yeah. this town is and they don't seem to have any problem with infidelity like, they're very comfortable with it. Like, yeah, it's like, how long have you been in love with Norma, who is married to another person, and yeah, you're married they're, to they're another person? Yeah, they're kind of, uh, you know? They're kind Shelly of... and Norma are just like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have... The, we have our husband problem, and then our lover problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we need a spa day. Yeah, I know, <laughs> two, I love two it. Men, two men apiece for each We don't one. know what to do with any of the four of them. <laughs> like, there what? is a lot of film noir. Speak this episode, that line, there's like... I bet you get a lot of Romeos sniffing around you when uh, the defense attorney comes yeah. to 
or Hank's attorney. Hank's attorney interviews Hank Norma. is Norma's husband who is in prison. Oh, right. And yes. he comes to interview Norma, and they do it in a very, like, Raymond Carter novel kind of way, where suddenly she's like, I usually tell them I've got a husband who's doing three to four of a manslaughter. Yeah. He looks like voice, you, like... He looks like if you took Brian Cranston's face now and put it on a younger man's body. Yeah, and then we, <laughs> we do, and then we meet yeah. Hank later, later yeah. on. But there's a lot of, like... I, and I love and that. And Lynch though. likes that. I mean, like, he references kind of that era... He, it like oh yeah very much all of yeah. a sudden a scene will just sort of heighten in drama and tone at for no apparent reason and it works like and two yeah. of my favorite movies are Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon and this me he, too. this series like <laughs> that's what's drawn me in is yes. like that the ding 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 <laughs> I didn't really have the jazz like back that, then but it's, it's that, that feel yeah it's the beautiful femme fatale it's the you know girl with the secret like they have all those tropes in place yep I love that it's totally just a feeling you can't really just yeah, you can't define film noir except by itself. It's true. <laughs> and Twin Peaks has that. And I mean, I've been, you know, an avid Twin Peaks pinner on Pinterest. There are so, there's fashion lines inspired by Twin Peaks. There's art inspired by Twin Peaks. I mean, there's so much stuff. Kelly was super convinced uh, that the, the bathroom of the bar we all went to after last week's viewing <laughs> was influenced was by Twin Peaks, the paint job inside. Remember that? Yes. Anytime I see, yes. like, black and white, like, either houndstooth pattern or... Like, how's, yeah, the... <laughs> the like, chevrons or yeah. red, black, and white. I'm like, oh, that was Twin Peaks. <laughs> or a slice of pie. <laughs> like, all right. Coffee. Uh, Coffee is just Twin uh, Peaks. Is there a name for Twin Peaks Fans like Trekkies, artists, Star Trek. I don't know. Peekers. Let's be peekers. Let's be peekers. Okay, I like it. I was. I mean, yet I I did. I was trying to find our own podcast and did a Google, and there are a lot. I yeah. probably shouldn't say that. There are a lot of Twin Peaks podcasts. There's a lot of uh, imitators out there. <laughs> yeah. Not the real deal. Not the real deal. Like they're kind of they're there. late to the scene. They kind of late to the scene. Um, <laughs> we say this having only uploaded our first episode. <laughs> yes. So in time, guys. Yes. Time. So we talked a lot about episode one four with the funeral. Um, moving into episode one five, which is the one our man. One of the first things that we see is um, the, at the Palmer house, and Andy is taking a description of Bob. So Andy is, you know, not a great necessarily cop, but he is a very a decent yeah. sketch artist. So he does. I, I think I may have caught a continuity error too. Oh yeah. I think they mentioned that Hawk draws Bob, and then we're then in that scene we see Andy drawing. And Bob. Andy becomes the guy from then on. Yeah, he's always Andy the one becomes, sketching. Yeah, so. So Sarah what, Palmer what, yeah, is yeah, giving a description of Bob. Continuity error, possibly. Nice. Possibly. I believe Or they both draw people. But they were like, well, Hawk yeah. already. <laughs> I mean, Hawk's obviously going to because he's one with nature. Yes. He's got skills. Hawk has right. enough Hawk going has for him. Andy, like, we probably at this point, they were like, oh, shit, you know what? We've made it so, like, there's no reason that Andy would have this job. Like, we need to, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. give him some skills so that we can see. <laughs> yeah. So Andy's, like, sketching yes. Bob and doing a very nice job of it. He's taking um, Sarah Palmer's statement. We, I love at this point we've seen... Bob is the, the one-armed man, right? Um, no, no, Mike is the one-armed man. Bob is the Canadian tuxedo guy who is in Cooper's oh, yeah. Dream and, and Mrs. Palmer. Palmer's And where do they vision. find Bob? 
Not on this earth. They haven't not seen yet. him in not the real the world. Yet. Oh, okay, okay. I'm so it's only been, Sorry, just been visions, visions that yeah. Cooper has had a vision of Bob and yeah. Sarah has had a vision of Bob, but nobody in the world has actually seen this figure. But, but they've drawn him. They've drawn yeah, him. Because okay. I thought you were talking about like a sketch. I was picturing. Well, he's like sketching from you a description. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't okay. remember what you call that, but like he's like sketching from a description of the criminal, gotcha. and or not criminal. We don't know what he did. And um, that was this man that invades dreams. The one arm man that, they, that we see in episode five is that the same one arm man from the vision earlier? That's actually him. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But when we meet him in episode five. in the in episode five, he's a shoe salesman. Yeah. He's you know pretty. His name's Philip Gerard. Pretty vanilla. Um, his tattoo that they talk about yeah. didn't say fire walk with me, it said mom. Which he sobbed about. Yeah. He seems like a real sweetheart. Yeah, he's yeah. like a nice, normal guy. Um, I love, though, in the first scene how the Palmers, now we've established the Palmers don't get out of their PJs. They just are wearing bathrobes all the time, even when people are coming over. In morning. They're yeah. In morning. Donna's inexplicably mm-hmm. over all the time, just <laughs> hanging out. That's weird. Yeah, she's. Leland looks terrible. It's so they're just they're setting up, and Sarah also has had a vision of the necklace being taken from the spot that Donna and James hit it. So we learn that Sarah has some sort of like psychic visions powers. We also learn that Cooper does as well because she says he didn't want to come to this initial interview because he's a strong sender. <laughs> so he, you know, didn't want to influence Sarah. So we there's some supernatural. Yes. There's some like people having dreams, stuff going on. We also haven't talked at all about Invitation to Love. Invitation to Love. <laughs> so, Invitation to Love, Please. Pat, you want to talk about it? I feel like okay. this is one of your all favorites. All right, all right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's my theory, or, I don't know, maybe it's a Pat uh, consensus, consensus that uh, the show Twin Peaks is parroting soap operas. So yeah, they have a lot of soap agree. opera tropes, and then uh, they are watching a soap opera within Twin Peaks called Invitation to Love, and they all know yeah. the story and are obsessed with yeah. it. It's a great, really funny um, device. Gives Lucy a great moment where... <laughs> Sheriff Truman comes in and asks her what's going on. She's watching Invitation to Love, and she gives a very detailed plot synopsis of Invitation to Love. And then Sheriff says, what's happening here? Then she gives a very detailed Twin Peaks synopsis. (laughs) So in case we didn't know that they're comparable, Lucy is telling us, like, she's having a meta soap opera moment. where The women in Invitation to Love are quite alluring with their giant hair and uh, (laughs) many, many jewels. (laughs) So many jewels. And their names are Jade and Emerald and Sapphire and, like, weird. Yeah, and those people, I think, get credits, too. They do. (laughs) At the beginning of the show. Deservedly. Yes. Well, and they'll do, like, Invitation to Love has a conceit where, that many soap operas have, where it's, like, the twins or, you know, there's a girl with her long-lost identical twin, and then Twin Peaks does it with Cheryl Lee playing Maddie, who is Laura Palmer's cousin, played by Laura Palmer. Bewitch right. <laughs> style, so it's basically their cousins, but one has dark hair. Right. right. Well, and glasses. And, and glasses. glasses. Oh, yes. Very large red glasses. I yeah. noted that. I love that scene uh, with the secretary at the cop shop, uh, June. Lucy. Uh, Lucy. Yeah. Uh, she when she like Tom runs down gets the wrong name. <laughs> I'm gonna make some. It's like a third time. <laughs> no, but I like it. It's better when you don't know the names. 
It's, it's like just, your thing. It just means I'm one of you listeners <laughs> trying to get through this weird show. One episode at a time. You're the everyman. <laughs> That's right. You're the Cooper. We're like the sheriff's department. Yeah, you guys are like Twin Peaks, and I'm like, well, I'm, the coffee's good. I'm uh, kind of like Lucy over here. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm paying attention, but kind of don't know what's going on. I guess I'm Harry Truman, then. I, like, know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that is an understatement. Oh, yes. That, mean, that, that makes you the Andy or the Hawk. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Uh, it's just yeah. rather be the hawk. <laughs> you're gonna have to prove. You're gonna have to get way more. You gotta drop some like uh, Dow sounding quotes on yeah. us. Okay. About spirit there are and many body. souls in this world. All right, you made it. Wow, good job. You've arrived. Hello, hawk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but she like breaks down the the plot of invitation to love for I think. Uh, Truman. When yes. He, yeah. She's like, you gotta, you, you gotta, so can't bother me work right now. I gotta tell you about this plot line on invitation to love. Lucy, I think actually Lucy is very good at her job and she's very like organized and like responsible, but she is so able to multitask that she has time to watch invitation to love like all the time or read a book on to. Tibet, like yes. we saw last. <laughs> and oh, right. Melissa, you pointed out in the yeah. in their like big room with the, the donuts conference room. It's the just... conference room. It's just a giant map of Tibet. Tibet. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like, it's like so oh yeah, you really love Tibet now, Tibet. guys. Yeah. Coop put that map map up there, I think. It's right. Yeah. Maybe, or they did because they love Maybe Coop it's so always much. There. Yeah. <laughs> in Jacoby's interview at the beginning of episode five, um, you know, he has to wrestle with this patient confidentiality in his interview, but he does say the problems of our entire society are a sexual nature. <laughs> Even having watched this as many times as I have, I'm never sure. And I guess we're never supposed to really know if Jacoby and Laura slept together. Like, oh. don't totally know. I thought they did, but he didn't that night anyway. I thought they did. He in definitely the past, wanted I thought to. They I did. think we all yeah. agree on that. Yeah, yeah, we know. But then in this one, in this viewing, as I've been watching this time, I've been like, there's nothing they explicitly say. And he, he does did. do some things that say t- almost to the contrary that they didn't. Like, I know he didn't mean it this way, but he talks about, like, not being able to penetrate her secrets. <laughs> oh. And I take that as, like, having a double meaning. One of my favorite Jacoby lines, which is, like, you are Good a point. terrible psychiatrist. So he's like, the fact that Laura sought medication, no matter how dubious, is actually a positive <laughs> sign. Is there any therapist in the world who'd be like, oh, well, the fact that you're snorting coke is actually a good thing. That's saying that, you're like, you're trying. Yes. He's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst. He's a terrible, terrible psychiatrist. And then he's been holding on to this piece of information that he f- basically followed the murderer or who is right. very likely to be. In the- so Jacoby reveals in this interview that he followed this mysterious man in a red Corvette on the night that Laura was murdered, and he's just coming forward with this now, and yet nobody yeah, and has. Leo any problem. has a corp. Right. Leo, 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 we see Leo have a corp. But of course, that's too obvious. They want you to suspect Leo. Yes. So Leo, right. it's not. Not Leo. and Leo also kills a man. 
That's true. Yeah. Episode. Just straight up murders that Frenchman. And then just murders Bernard. French Canadian. Has him. Just has him like by a tree and is like, oh yeah, murder that guy. Yeah. Maybe sending a message to. Lee, no, uh, uh, oh, Ben yeah. Horn. Oh, yeah. Ben he's, Horn. Yeah, he's seeing Ben Horn. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm your lackey, but uh, you know, don't double cross me or yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, could be, that old could Bernard be. over there. Ben yeah. didn't seem intimidated by that. No, no not at all. But he was yeah. like, okay. no. all right, yeah, he's good. It's... Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he killed a guy. All right. Yeah, all right. So about this other burning, this insurance yeah. fraud you got going. Don't on. screw that up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I He's don't like, care about your petty murders, but uh, <laughs> you have to burn down an old sawmill. And, uh, that needs <laughs> all your attention. Like, well, how much could this... Well, Pat and I have seen the sawmill. We've actually been there, and I'll tell you, it doesn't look like much. And I, I mean, it's burned out. You have a million. It is burned down. So I mean, you have so many entities trying to get the money from this like dilapidated sawmill. It's so weird. I, I know you have to have a B-plot, especially in a show that's, like, modeling soap operas, but I hate the mill plot, probably because I still don't understand it, and it makes me bitter, because I couldn't really describe to you what actually happened. Well, because, like, Josie is the only, like, the main person, and she's not a likable character. She's just... She sucks. She's no. only in negligees when she's around her brother-in-law. Yes! <laughs> and I feel like that's on purpose now. Agreed. Like, I feel like... Yeah, she definitely leaned over that table a couple times yeah. more than she needed to. Yeah, she she's wearing nothing ever. Is she, is she sleeping with Pete as well? <laughs> she, wants, she wants to wants yeah. to go fit, wants her to be his uh, doubles fishing partner. <laughs> yeah. I want to know if that's a real thing. I have to look, look that up when I get home. Like, is there such thing as mixed doubles fishing <laughs> competitions? I don't know. I believe something it. to do this summer. <laughs> I I no, don't want to give a spoiler, it. but if there there is another fishing partner that. Pete ends up going after after Josie, and you know who I mean, and it's great. I do, I do. And it's an upgrade because I fucking hate Josie. I'm sorry, I hate her. Josie and James are my two least favorite, and like <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. It's just blah. And what's weird is they are not the worst actors on the show, even oh, by a no. mile. But like they still are just the least likable. I don't know. Is I mean, James is probably a pretty good actor, but his face... His face is terrible. His face makes me so angry every time I see it. I mean... Josie, too. (laughs) Yeah. To me, Bobby is up there as one of the worst. But Bobby is so bad, it's funny. And, like, he has this, like, trying to be James Dean thing that I just... I can't hate him. I like him. Has that guy been in anything else? Yeah, right now? he's actually in a lot. Like, if you yeah. look him up as like an older guy, like what he looks like now, you would recognize him. What was the I show mean, that yeah. Brad like and Megan now. watched that we that had the Twin Peaks? Oh, Pat sister yeah. and brother in law watched this show that's like a detective show, and they did a Twin Peaks. Psych. Psych. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yes, they did a Twin Peaks episode, and it had like everyone. It had Sherilyn yep. Fenn and Matt yeah. and Amick and, and uh, Bobby. Thing. Yeah, and it, it yeah. made fun of Twin Peaks in a really funny way. So we watched that episode, and you know, to our uh, you know partners in crime over at Psych Podcast, <laughs> it, we should do a crossover about that episode. <laughs> I actually definitely. <laughs> they, I think it's one of those good shows you could just put on in the background. And it's just yeah, kind of like like soothing, cute. Yes, and you don't need to think when you watch it. Agreed. No <laughs> those, other, Agreed. those other podcasts can't handle the influx of listeners they would get <laughs> if they did a crossover. With I us. mean, we might have up to almost double digits by the time. So they've got. I'm looking at. Uh, 
Bobby's uh, IMDb. Dana Ashbrook. Yep. Yeah, I, I love that his name's Dana. Dana. Yeah, like full on. Um, is this the episode where Audrey and her dad have that confrontation, or is that the... We didn't talk to... Oh, yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a scene that I really like, obviously, since I'm clearly obsessed with Audrey, <laughs> um, where Benjamin Horn's on, the ex- on his exercise bike... They've got new interested parties in Iceland that he's talking to. And Audrey comes in and does her best schmacting to get Daddy to believe that she's going to work for him. Straighten up and fly right. Right. She's going to learn the family business. She's willing to start from the bottom. And then she's like, okay, go make a bed. And she's like, I'm serious. (laughs) Haven't you been listening these past three and a half minutes? I said I'd start from the bottom, but I didn't mean like... The a bottom. maid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a great that scene for me funny. because I see how similar Ben and Audrey are. And they have all this conflict between them, but they're actually a very, very similar people. And even though she's so clearly lying, and I think Sherilyn Ben does a good job of being kind of a bad liar. Like, she is trying to be a bad... Because we've established yes. that she's going to do this to try and investigate the murder. Yeah. You know, from the inside to get Cooper to love her and take her away from Twin Peaks, which is actually the most wonderful place in the world. You find love when you solve a murder together. (laughs) Right. Or if you love the person, (laughs) you can only find... Solve a murder. Oh my god, that's the message of the show. (laughs) That has been the theme. Love and death, very intertwined. But Ben, Ben somehow, as this worldly, intelligent manipulator, falls for it and is like... Okay, honey, like, yeah, go for it. Well, yeah, I think if you're, like, a, a father and your, like, rebellious daughter's like, I want to get a part-time job, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Don't ask yeah. too many questions. Yeah. Because yeah. you're too busy sleeping with the weird red-headed lady from the sawmill. Catherine. And, yeah. yeah. And having... Leo kill a bunch of people for you, or yeah. burn down a sawmill. Yeah, like why is this guy? This guy's like a legitimate businessman. Why is he making these right. big drug deals? He's a lot of nefarious. Yeah, um, not... I think Ben just like many people in Twin Peaks covertly has kind of an insatiable appetite, and like <laughs> it's never enough for him. He always needs to have more than what he has. Because you bring up a great point. Like, Ben has a great life. He's the owner of the Great Northern. He's got everything. Although he was pretty desperate for that uh, deal with the Norwegians to go through. So maybe the Great Northern is not really pulling in money like it used to. Could, yeah. Well, there's some Icelandic possibilities. Yes. I can't wait for the Icelanders. That's, like, my favorite. It's wonderful. What does, um, he, ask, what does he ask his brother uh, when he's on the phone with him? Make sure they don't bring in yeah, eggnog. Yeah, make sure they don't give any eggnog to the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa rightly was like, what? <laughs> like, what? Is eggnog associated with ice? I don't think it is. I think I eggnog. I have a note to Google it. Okay. And I love that uh, then Jerry is, is like clearly their like account manager guy who grows yeah. and like schmoozes the client. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. the only way I know he's Ben's name is because it's Ben and Jerry. Ben, ben and Jerry, Jerry. yeah. Motherly team. Yeah. Chad and I met a real-life Ben and Jerry when we were in Siesta Key this year. year. We were at a bar, and there were, like, these two guys were, like, best friends. One was tall, one was short. They were the life of the party. They were, like, buying drinks for everyone. They were a little bit sleazy. We're like, oh, my God, this is real-life Ben and Jerry. They were their names were Ben and Jerry, right? No. Uh, <laughs> you should have said yes. Oh, you mean like, okay, I get it. Like, like pers- they just personality They were like the people from the show. Like, looks I get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I thought you were just like astounded you met two guys with those names. I was like, that's not that, that good That would have been cool. But, yeah. <laughs> um, another great Lynchy moment is when 
there. They start a scene with the tennis players who are in full yeah. like ski mask. Winter ski mask, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like parkas and they're playing tennis. Yes. And then we see Bobby planting, finishing planting the shirt. He, he yeah. gets away just in time. It took a really long time. He timed that real close yeah. for like what should be a five second job. Because yeah. one of the big, another B plot, there's a lot of B plots. Yeah, there are a lot. There's almost more than. <laughs> It's yeah. more than like the main plot sometimes. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. But the one is that there is this Leo and Jacques, which we haven't talked about. Oh yeah, are it's just doing this I, like, cocaine rig. <laughs> but it's like it takes up so much of this episode at least because then we learn that Leo and Jacques are together, and then mm-hmm. Bobby figures it out that they have to be together. So then, right, we come to Bobby planting the bloody shirt that he got from his. Uh, gun lover. <laughs> Shelly, yes, Shelley. yeah. I feel you're like right, Jacques... Right. I'm just gonna call her gun lover from now on. <laughs> Jacques has almost as many after-school activities as Laura. Like, we just... He's yeah. in all these different places doing all these different things. He owns the, the first, bird, too? Yeah, Waldo? he owns the bird, Waldo, who was the minor bird that we think was pecking on Laura during their weird sexcapades before her murder. And was this the first time we actually... Because Jacques was kind of a burly, big guy. Was that the first time yes. we really saw him? Yes. Yes. Okay. And there's a great moment, and actually it's a great idea for those drug dealer listeners that we have, um, <laughs> where they have this, like, Kelly's <laughs> drug dealing tips. <laughs> hey, gang, it's me. Um, so, tip today. <laughs> we all know this, but just want to remind you to have a bust light. So, Jock is approaching the bar, and as he's approaching... This red light goes on oh, at the top. That's, warning him. That warns him don't that like come to it's work hot. Today. Don't come to work. The police are here. Yeah, bust like, like don't get busted. Because like yeah. I, like I said, I was half watching this episode. So like <laughs> when he said the bust lights on, I was picturing like a Porky style neon naked lady <laughs> and like her boob like light was was on or off. <laughs> I mean that could work too. Yeah, depending your business. It's pretty brilliant. Like <laughs> so he leaves. Yeah. He doesn't. Light Cooper, signals are good. Cooper's too smart for that because when they're interrogating Bernard Renault and he like is like, oh, he'll be here in 10 minutes for his shift at the bar. I've told you exactly where he is. Cooper's like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Nope. Disagree. Yeah. But I also feel like if you're doing he's... as many things as Jacques is, you should be a more fit gentleman. I don't know. You don't really <laughs> right? have time to stop at like... Yeah, he's a the large one man. diner in town, and it's all like gas station food. <laughs> he he's likes, always on the move. Hey, he likes to party. So. And I always feel like Jacques should be thinner men. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> and it's highlighted by the fact <laughs> that he's fat He's dressed like Marty from Back to the Future, <laughs> yeah. but as a fat French oh, Canadian man. Canuck, as they call him. <laughs> yes. Shelley uses that, right? <laughs> yep. That Canuck uh, man. That Canuck or, called yeah. or something. I don't so. Yeah, I'd never like heard that. I didn't know what that was. Yeah, he's a... So, Jock... So, there's, like, a million Renault brothers. We learned that. Um, yeah, so so Jock is not in very good shape, and he's dressed like Marty from Back to the Future. But thus far, he's he's escaped. He's not actually been questioned or brought in or anything like that. So, it, it's interesting because I feel like, you know... Episode three, we end with the dream sequence, and it's such an amazing scene, and it really builds up this kind of feeling. And then 
four and five are big plot heavy like murder investigation kind of procedural drama episodes which is fine but it doesn't for me have the same pull as like the kind of weird lynchy stuff so these two were not my favorites especially episode four is kind of an interesting ending with Leland cry dancing. <laughs> but then episode Thanks, Melissa, for that. And the, the soul and the soul speech by Hawk. But then episode five, <laughs> it is kind of just like it ends and yeah. it's like here's all of our B plots that we didn't get to in the yes. last two episodes. So here's what's going on with the sawmill and the Extremely drug bus. Extremely B plot heavy. Yeah, and I think it ends with Josie, doesn't it? Josie yeah, it gets does. a drawing of a domino <laughs> from oh, Hank. Oh, yeah. And then Jennings. we don't care. So, <laughs> then we, so. We that, know it's, there's a connection between Nora's husband and Josie, which yes. doesn't surprise me, because <laughs> Josie seems slutty. The three and the three on that domino went up to six, and episode six is uh, what, where we'll be starting next week. We'll what? probably watch episode seven, too, so make sure you watch that as well if you want to be up to date with us here at <laughs> Laura Palmer is Dead. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>